Hey, you. Y you there. I see you feeling bad about the art you're making. I see you ready to throw it all in the garbage and light that garbage on fire and take the ashes to a landfill and light the landfill on fire. I see the conflagration of despair building in your mind. Uh, I know. Uh, your pencils would burn beautifully, your computer would make a very satisfying smash when you threw it out the window, and it's true that accountants make more money than you, and yeah, so do lawyers, and yes, you would probably make more than you currently do if you worked at Starbucks, and you definitely have benefits. But you know who else makes more money than you? Justin Bieber. So does Stephanie Meyer. Johnny Depp stopped giving good performances decades ago, and you know he's loaded. The Beatles basically just played the same three chords over and over and yelled over it and became more famous than most people. Keep making art, even if it sucks. Even if it's a big, stupid, dumb trash fire. Even if you know that it's too wonky and no one will love it. If the writers of Big Bang Theory can keep coming up with 11 billion episodes of the same shit, you can keep churning out pictures of that same character that you feel isn't quite right. And making some bad art doesn't mean all your art is shit. Even Joseph Gordon-Levitt made Whiplash. Leonard Cohen has a few real bad albums. Bill Watterson? Never mind. Bill Watterson never did anything wrong. He's a god and none of us deserve him. Keep making bad art. Because without that, the Upford Network wouldn't exist. Unless you're a Big Bang Theory writer. In that case, stop. Yes, come to see you. I say now Benson, Jack, Benson, Joe. Benson, Jack, Benson, Jack, do everybody, welcome to episode 172 of Up for Discussion, an emotionally honest comedy podcast where we take your questions and dish out hot truths and tasty goofs. I'm Tom Zalatni. I'm Kate Bradley. I'm Eli Boussaudet. We have a special guest in studio with us tonight. Uh, she's a stand-up comic, host of the Tranavision movie commentary show, and the Chosen Family podcast, along with a whole bunch of other stuff. Her name is Trana Wintour. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How you doing? Great, you? Good, good. Yeah, thanks for joining us. I'm so excited fun. to be here. Yeah. I'm I'm yeah. really I'm really excited. I'm really excited. Oh my god, you're, <laughs> you're the cutest. <laughs> I've been in your orbit before, like after shows and stuff, oh, but I've always been I too shy to say hi. <laughs> I I always find it weird when people say that. I kind of love it though, because I've always wanted to be intimidating, but I really don't <laughs> think I am. Like I'm such a softy. Um, but yeah, never be shy. I'll know for the, for yes, the next yeah. time. Yeah, and now we have this, so exactly. I can be like, so hey! We're friends now, yeah, so yeah. perfect. Awesome. <laughs> you have the backstage best. Yes, yeah, yeah. always. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So we're we're in the middle of like um, a big fundraiser for the Upford Network right now to raise ten thousand dollars to build a sound booth in our studio. Uh, at the time of recording, we have just passed a thousand dollars. Yay! That's amazing. Yeah, it's it's been really cool and encouraging. And we're like, I did the math to figure out what we need like per day during the campaign, and we are on track, which okay. is exciting. That's amazing. Um, mm -hmm. We'll see where we're at by the time this episode comes out. But like at the time of recording, we are on track. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Um, Thanks to you. Yeah, and and thanks especially to the people at home who are you know making donations as we speak. Mm. Yeah, yeah. yeah, keep them coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so trying to tell us a bit about, but uh, before we started recording, you were telling us about the Phi Center where you're recording right. your podcast. Do you want to like tell the audience, I guess, a bit about what is going on with all of that? Absolutely. So I co-host and co-produce a podcast called Chosen Family. Um, which is sort of um, a comedy arts podcast, um, but where me and my co-host also just talk about the things that are going on in our lives. I think 
he and I have this really great friendship and dynamic that people seem interested in. Mm. And so we always tackle things. And I think what's cool about our podcast is that we don't always agree on things. Mm. Um, as much as Thomas and I have a lot in common, there is a lot that we see quite differently. Um, not incompatibly, but... Um, and we get to do it with this amazing arts organization here in Montreal called the Phi Center, mm-hmm. um, which is, I mean, I never fully know how to explain what the Phi Center is to people who haven't been or don't know what it is because they do so much. Mm-hmm. Um, they're basically an arts facility, arts organization um, with an incredible location in the old port where they do exhibitions and live performances and live events And they also have um, a recording studio where we do our podcast. And they're just the greatest team. Um, They're so supportive and creative and just it's such a visionary team of people. So we're just so excited to be a part of it in our small little way. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's very cool. For for a little while, when I first started hearing about the Phi Center, I thought that was just the name of the science center in the old place. Right. And I just assumed it was the same thing. And then gradually it became less and less like, I just kept hearing about things that were going on there and being like, that's really off brand for the science center. <laughs> I'm very confused. Yeah, I can understand the confusion though. And they are pretty close geographically. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. And so your your podcast, Chosen Family, um, what's like the elevator pitch? Like what do what's the sort of goal of it? Well, the elevator pitch is essentially that it's a talk show that tells a story. So it is a somewhat traditional talk show structure. The show starts with Thomas and I in conversation with one another, kind of like Ryan and Kelly in the morning. (laughs) I don't think anyone is down with Ryan anymore, but um, (laughs) I'd agree with that. but, But kind of that, like. Thomas and I are both drawn to the sort of ridiculousness of morning shows, Mm -hmm. like morning talk shows. So there is a bit of that vibe. Um, And we have different segments. So we usually have a live comedy segment. We also do um, a phone conversation segment, which is a chance for us to talk to people on the show that we love, but would not ordinarily get the chance to talk to because they're not based in Montreal. Mm -hmm. They're not coming to Montreal. Mm -hmm. Like I had my comedy hero, Sandra Bernhardt on the phone chat. Um, This amazing writer from Vogue magazine named Jonathan Van Meter, who's Mm -hmm. basically written every Vogue cover story over the last 20 years. Oh, wow. So we've been able to get really cool people on the phone and I still have a landline. So uh, (laughs) like, I still love a good phone conversation. And, you know, with with the theme of it being about chosen family, the people we choose to surround ourselves with. And in Mm -hmm. our particular case, the people that we choose to create with, the people Mm -hmm. that we choose to perform with and write with. That's really what it's about, because Thomas and I produce a lot of live shows together that have been so magical. And we work with a lot of different performers and we always leave with this feeling of family, not mm. and also not just amongst the performers, but also with the audience. We always mm-hmm. have just this incredible exchange with our audience where it really feels yeah. like this conversation and this dialogue and just this uplifting each other feeling. And we really wanted to carry that on. Mm-hmm. Um, so the podcast format was perfect for us because it allows us to be a part of our audience's everyday life versus just a few nights a year when we do our mm. live shows. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. One of the coolest things, uh, like, we, so we've been doing this show for like three years now, and one of the coolest things has been that sort of community aspect yeah. of like getting to connect with people week after week and like hearing from them too, right? Exactly. And yeah. I think with podcasts, especially for you guys, I mean, up to episode 172, which is incredible, <laughs> like, I'm sure that your listeners feel like your friends, you know, mm-hmm. even if they don't know you, like, I'm sure that they feel this affinity and connection mm-hmm. um and that's the i think the intimate nature of podcasts you know yeah, yeah um i feel like there you really develop a kind of relationship or just attachment mm-hmm. to what you're listening to yeah. yeah the moment you introduced me as an intern on the facebook post i had like two people just like uh, tweeting me saying oh welcome <laughs> yeah to, to, to hear you and stuff like that they're it's so they're pretty, so wonderful yeah. uh Kendallin in in particular mm-hmm. yeah. is, is a longtime fan and I've been roughing it lately and she just uh randomly sends me these lovely images of like little comic strips or whatever just to you know boost me in my day and support me and it's like I love that it's wonderful yeah. and you never know who's listening and yeah. how people because I mean I don't know if you all have the feeling of like you know putting a podcast together kind of feels like you're in this little vacuum mm-hmm. you know like you're either in a little studio or in a room or wherever you are and it's a kind of solitary process outside of the people who are doing it with you Mm -hmm. um but and you just put it out there and you have no idea who's gonna find it who's gonna stumble across it what it's gonna mean to Mm -hmm. them and Mm -hmm. me too like I've received messages from people I mean like as far away as San Francisco and Australia and it's like oh my god (laughs) and and it's just really I don't even know how to describe the feeling but I'm just so grateful for that exchange yeah yeah it's really the most incredible thing because with with podcasting because we like idolize uh celebrities and Mm -hmm. actors and we feel like we know them but with we're still seeing them portraying roles like it's not themselves whereas podcast you're getting the person Mm -hmm. you're getting all of who we are all the juice (laughs) exactly that's that there is that like intimacy yeah and that sharing you know like i feel like I have shared so much more about myself in the podcast on Chosen Family Mm -hmm. than I ever have on stage. Mm -hmm. And I share a lot on stage as it is. But just in terms of that um, freedom to be even more personal, Mm -hmm. Mm because I don't have to be funny on the podcast. Yeah. Like, I think that element of humor is is very natural to me and Thomas. So it's there. But there's not that pressure to like, we don't have to make people laugh. Mm -hmm. So we're free to go to more serious places than we are in our live shows, which is another reason that we wanted to do the podcast, Mm -hmm. just to add another layer to to what we do. It's kind of like a break also from your like main project. Yeah. The podcast, like a, although it's it's so much work though. (laughs) So it it didn't really feel like a break, but those moments, like just that time that we were in the studio with our guests, like, yeah, there was that feeling of, of just like euphoria kind of Mm -hmm. and just like I can't believe we get to do this and the people that we get to talk to it's just like like genuinely a dream come true that's awesome and the spontaneity in the moment yeah it's not a written which I love yeah like even when it comes to comedy and and doing that on stage especially now I really don't like to script things out or plan Mm -hmm. things out too much Mm -hmm. I think I'm funnier off the cuff anyway Mm -hmm. um but I love and I trust myself enough to create in the moment Mm -hmm. um i like for me that's the thrill 
That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Kate, do you want to tell the fine folks at home about Patreon.com? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, (laughs) this is the part of the show where we usually talk about Patreon, where you can pledge a monthly donation to help keep the show going. But we understand here at Up for Discussion that commitment can be scary. That's why right now we've got an opportunity to make a one-time donation on our Indiegogo campaign. We're raising $10,000 to build a sound booth in our studio, and we need your help to hit that mark. We've also got all kinds of exclusive perks for folks who donate in the Indiegogo campaign, so smash that link in our description to find out what you can get with one little, what, what? With one little one-night stand of a donation. (laughs) Of course, we're We're still accepting donations through Patreon as well if you're looking for something a bit more intimate. If you pledge as little as a dollar a month to us at patreon.com slash up for discussion, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendallin, Candice, Carlea, Thomas, George Poppy, Alex from Play the Mind, Jan, Jillian, pronounced Jillian, Killian, pronounced Killian, Angie, and Sarah Angelica. And if you give at least $5 a month, you get to tell us what to talk about once per cycle on the show. Yeah. That's a pretty sweet deal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> control. You have control. <laughs> We're also, um, one of the perks on the Indiegogo campaign is that if you give $5, you can also submit a question. So our first topic is from a patron, but our second one's actually going to be from an Indiegogo donor. Sweet. Which is fun. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Our first Patreon topic comes from Angie, who asks... Based on uh, this video, which we've included a link to in the description of this episode, uh, but basically it's a TED talk about people with, uh, what do we call them? Multi-potentialites? Yes. yes. So people who uh, <laughs> are good at a lot of different things and can then therefore have lots of different types of careers in their lives and don't necessarily need to be put in one box. Mm-hmm. Um Do you think that we are slash will head down the road where people no longer are in jobs for 30 plus years, not because of job security, but because we are constantly reinventing our interests? That's a good question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's uh, there are like two main components in this Mm -hmm. where like the first one is where like we don't have much of a choice because we got to a point where diplomas don't mean as much as they used to Mm -hmm. you know so like it's no it's no longer a requirement so they want experience they want you to be like know a bunch of stuff and be all over the place yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i think that's like a motivation to you know jump around jobs yeah and the second one i feel like it's it's i think that's the case for me anyways it's like the fear of missing out Mm -hmm. on every single opportunity out there huh like, yeah, like I did physics for two years, criminology for a year. Now I'm in flying school and I'm still hopping. And it's just like flying school. Yeah. <laughs> Straight up flying. Yeah. Awesome. With planes. I did not expect that. <laughs> you would think that's like satisfying. You're like, OK, but no, you're like, I just want to discover more and more and more. And it's, it's tough. It's uh, it's frustrating sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. In in Montreal, we're lucky that um, like so rather than going straight from high school to university uh, we have sage up here right and you yeah. can like it's basically like super cheap university for a mm-hmm. couple of years yeah and that uh for a lot of people that ends up being a really good place to sort of figure that stuff out right like you can i think it's like 100 bucks a semester plus books so you can really sort of screw around and figure out what it is that you want to be doing and yeah. experiment with everything mm-hmm. uh instead of it having to cost like thousands of dollars a year to yeah. you know realize that you don't want to be a physicist <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the crazy thing about university is 
if you get there just because you think you need a degree and don't know what you want to do, you're going to be wasting so much money. Yeah. Amen. And so much time. I think yeah. it's more practical just not to mm. figure stuff out on your own. Mm -hmm. And if there really is something that you feel really dedicated to studying, then go to university. Because mm -hmm. I know I, I've, I have known people in my life that, oh, my God. It means just so much money. <laughs> and I think, you know, even by the time they did finally complete their degree, like it was that feeling of, was it worth it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know. I, I did my degree in creative writing at Concordia mm -hmm. and I was really fortunate. I had a scholarship for the time that I was there, mm -hmm. but I think if I had to pay for it on my own, I don't think I would have finished. Mm -hmm. yeah. I just think I would have you know, after two years, sort of gotten what I needed to get out of it and then just bounced. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched a video recently where the guy was suggesting that you shadow people in their careers. Hmm. So that gives uh. you a really good idea of what they do. It's not just, oh, I want to be an animator and then study animation. Like mm. like my teachers, well, that's what I did. And uh, my teachers would always say, you're going to learn more in the first eight weeks of your job than you did in this entire program. <laughs> so shadowing someone for a week or whatever, whoever you know in your circle, then that gives you the like real world experience of mm. this is what this person goes through every day. It goes beyond the interest in the, the field itself is like, mm. can I survive? Well, <laughs> that's how I view the world. Can I, uh, will I enjoy being in this environment? It's not just about the topic yeah, itself. Right. Yeah, I think it's always a good thing to look at, at examples of people and yeah. what they've done. Like, I know for me, like, I've always felt like that performer and creative energy was there since I was a kid. And I really don't feel like it was something that I chose. It was just there. Mm -hmm. It was just what I was given. Mm -hmm. But as a kid and even as a teen, I just didn't really know how to channel that. Mm -hmm. Like, I loved acting and singing and public speaking, but I'm like, I couldn't really see myself dedicating myself to just one of those things. Mm -hmm. And then I just really didn't know what to do. And then eventually, just over the years, you encounter different artists and different experiences. And I know when I discovered, like, Sandra Bernhard's work, who, like, mixes, like, all of those things, music, acting, comedy, and storytelling, I was like, oh my God, that's what it is. Yeah. 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 You know, and seeing that example was like finally everything in my life just clicked. And I was mm -hmm. like, okay, now I know what to do. And it was like, that's what I had been looking for all along. Mm -hmm. So I think looking to those examples is really helpful. Yeah, for sure. There's like this sweet feeling of like euphoric sensations when everything connects. Oh my God. And you're God. like, yes. Oh. It makes sense. It's been like it's the best. It's been, it's been the plan all along. Yeah. It's like, but I don't think I think that moment of euphoria and that moment of everything clicking together mm. happens for everyone at such different points in their lives. Yeah, mm. you know, for some people it happens at six years old and they're already acting and have incredible careers. Yeah, and <laughs> other people only yeah. have that moment when they're fifty. You mm. know, like Julia Child and realize like, okay, cooking is what I'm meant to do. Right. But I think our culture is so caught up on us knowing those answers by the time you're done high school. And that's just yeah. so not realistic. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it puts a lot of pressure on people and people really force themselves to find something. Mm. Yeah. I think when you take that approach of forcing something and sort of arbitrarily trying to decide what to do with your life, you're never going to have an authentic answer yeah you yeah know, absolutely. it's really hard to force the answer to that question like i tried you know mm -hmm. although i've always known 
But during that time where I wasn't really connected to that part of myself, I really tried to be like, okay, what am I going to do? Like, I guess I could be a teacher. Like, I guess I could be an editor at a magazine. But like nothing ever felt right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, the, in the video, she talks a lot about the pressure that that creates, like mm. that you're you're asking kids at three, five years old, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the adult doesn't really give a shit about the answer. It's just right. like a cute thing, as yeah. she says in the video. Um, but then from that age, you're like, oh, shit, I have to I have to pick one. Yeah. And then you pick one. And then your mom tells you, but you know that to be a vet, you have to cut dogs open. And then you're like, well, fuck. <laughs> so you have to yeah. like, figure out something else. Or you discover that, hey, you know what? Studying is not for me. Yeah. And then, and then all these jobs that I thought I wanted require so much work that mm. I, I'm not built for. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, all these paths. It's exactly. a lot of pressure. Yeah, it's a lot of pressure. And I think that's why... I don't know, when I look around me, I think the majority of people are working jobs that don't excite them, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that they're not happy at. I feel like everyone is working just for those two weekend days. And even <laughs> on those two weekend days, they don't really have a chance to do the things yeah. they really want to do. Right. And that's how most people in our culture live. And that is really depressing to mm-hmm. me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, uh, I've been talking to my parent therapist about this, actually. And she's like, we got to a point in our lives like where it's it's just it's no longer about the job itself it's like just do the nine to five thing and then your life begins mm. do whatever you want yeah you have the weekends free right. just live but, but it's not enough to... time <laughs> no yeah. no yeah. it's yeah. like it's it's insane how much time people spend in places they don't like mm-hmm. and i did it you know like i when i was in university i was working at a call center for a bank part-time and mm-hmm. then when i was done school and sort of before I started doing comedy, there was that in-between time. And then at the beginning of my comedy career, you know, I had to support myself financially. So I was I ended up being there for like eight years. And, you know, it was just so suffocating mm-hmm. to be in this like corporate structure that is just so depressing. Yeah. And but I I don't know, I, I always want. I always wish for more for people, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think sometimes there are people who don't necessarily want more in their life. And that's okay too. They they have this and that's enough and that gets them what they need and what they want. Um, But there's a part of me that thinks like there's just so much untapped potential Mm -hmm. in general. I, I sometimes find myself feeling a little jealous mm. of those people. I'm like, stop sparking mind. Stop <laughs> like, it. Of the stability? <laughs> well, the stability and the like contentment with simplicity. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that you just said that because I feel that too sometimes. I'm like, why do I want so much? Yeah, like, yeah. Why, like, why can't I just be satisfied with just going somewhere every day and just mm-hmm. doing it yeah. and getting the money? I scream on the weekends yeah. and yeah, then that's and enough. Exactly, yeah. but I just can't. And yeah, I just I know that if I had to go back to that, mm-hmm. I would die, honestly. Like, that's what scares me the most in my career, because it's in the arts. It's there are no guarantees. But I think even in that corporate structure and those more conventional jobs, security is also an illusion. You don't know mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. Oh, it yeah. can come out of the blue that your position has been cut. And yeah. so security in general is a complete illusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you accept that as an illusion, then you might as well go after what you really want and yeah. do your best to make it work. Yeah. So I think that's where I am at. I'm like, I have to make this work. And there's that urgency because I know that going back would crush me. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And I don't know if I could survive that kind of like devastation. Yeah. 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 I've been lucky enough that like I've had a day job for the past six years that like I like enough that That's it's like good. it's not too crushing, you know? Yeah. Like there's days where I'm like, I wish that I was like just doing podcast stuff full time, but like I don't hate my day job. That's amazing. And like that's wonderful. And that it, is. you know, because it, it's given me the opportunity to, it's very flexible and I work right. from home. So yeah. like I can do this kind of stuff. You know, we've got three or four other shows that record here. And amazing. like I can kind of just be like, okay, I'm going to take like an hour off work to deal with this and then get back to it. And it gives me money so that I can, yeah. you know, do this kind of stuff on the side without relying on it financially. But like, I definitely, you know, even in that, even in having a day job that I like enjoy, I long for the day when I can quit it and do right. this full time. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. at least like it's serving its purpose yeah. and, and you're not hating it, which is a good thing. Yeah. There's, I think for any creative person, there's always that time where you're doing both. You're doing the day mm-hmm. job that you need to support yourself with and your creative work whenever you can, however you can. And eventually, hopefully, you do make that move. I know for mm-hmm. me, that was like the scariest decision I ever made. But I know that it was the best thing that I ever did for myself. Right. And I can't imagine looking back now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely starting to feel this. I think in the past year, it started to feel realistic for me that like this stuff might sl- sort awesome. of like slowly take over. Yeah, like, that's like, great. Yeah, like I don't know if it'll ever be like going from full-time work to full-time podcast mm-hmm. stuff. Like I might sort of shift to like 2020. Yeah. Well, I think there's always that. 50-50 <laughs> is yeah. how I should have said that, but I meant like 20 hours. 20 yeah, hours. I, kn- I yeah. know what you meant. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think for most people that transition is, is gradual. Mm-hmm. You know, like I know like for me, like when I first started doing comedy while I had my day job, you know, yeah, there were like a couple of gigs a month and then mm-hmm. over time, that gets more and more and then you work less and less mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it just and then you reach a point where the creative stuff is really taking off and even those minimal hours that you're putting into the day job start to interfere mm-hmm. okay. and that's when you know you got to go right you got to yeah. go for it if you reach that point where like the day job is interfering with opportunities mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. take that as a sign to like just take the plunge take the risk <laughs> yeah. and like yeah. go for the opportunities you've been waiting for cuz there, there's going to be a point where you literally can't do both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You might even want to hold on to that like day job security, but there's a point where you have to devote yourself a hundred percent to what you really want to make it happen. Yeah. 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 It's just kind of like, I really felt like I was at that like fork mm-hmm. in the road. Right. I'm like, I can either keep things the way they are, keep this, the financial security but the creative career is basically going to, is basically going to stay where it is. Mm-hmm. It's not going to grow anywhere from here because there's no time for it to grow. Mm. Or ditch the day job and really take that chance and really invest everything you have and go for it. That's exciting. Yeah, yeah. but also terrifying. Like I, oh for yeah. sure. Yeah, I think people, I think people glamorize that. Like, oh, I left my day job yeah. to like be an artist. Right. Yeah. And but like, I know for me, like almost immediately after I quit, like like the day after my last day, like I really just like emotionally fell apart. Like mm. you don't realize, especially if you don't come from a rich family, you don't realize how much that financial security is holding you together mm-hmm. emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It really, it, it does count for something, you know, that financial security when you don't have it, it is such a jarring loss. Yeah. And oh, absolutely. It's horrifying when again, you don't have like, someone to bail you out financially yeah. whenever you need them you mm-hmm. know when you're really doing it on your own 
I don't think enough people talk about that um, shock. Yeah. It's like a shock. Yeah. Do you ever get to the point where you're like something really bad happens and you're like, oh, wish I wish I. Wish no, I never, <laughs> never. Um, honestly, never. I do have the moments like we just discussed a few minutes ago about sometimes being envious of a bit more of like a traditional life because mm -hmm. at least on the outside it seems easier yeah. mm -hmm. so i do have those moments of like oh i wish things could be easy mm. just for like a few months yeah <laughs> um but i also know that that would destroy me so mm -hmm. no i just um yeah i really i don't i'm at a point where i really i don't i have my human moments of doubt but overall mm -hmm. i'm fully committed to what i'm doing and really 110 percent believe in it and there's nothing else for me that's great that's so awesome. i mean yeah. i know that like there's a lot of people doing a lot of different careers mm -hmm. yeah. and i think i'm lucky because everything that i do is sort of you know rooted in comedy right but i get to do a lot of different things mm -hmm. like the podcast and i've done a little acting and i'm recording some music right now awesome. so like I feel like I get to do um, a lot of different things, mm -hmm. but it all is related. Yeah. It's all yeah. connected. It's not like I'm like, next week I'm going to try like being a mechanic. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's, it's all yeah. related, but yeah. it's diverse enough to keep me interested. I think if I was just doing stand-up comedy, that wouldn't be true to who I am and mm -hmm. all of my other interests. So I feel like I'm at a point now where I have that... Um, confidence to to do those other things and sometimes the comedy community can be a bit weird it's like <laughs> people think that there is like a certain way to do comedy yeah. or a certain yeah. way to be a comedian it's obviously course, mostly yeah. older white men who have these ideas yeah. Shocking. Um, <laughs> but um and they sort of like look down on people who have more of like that 360 mm -hmm. performer approach mm -hmm. but i think they look down on it because it's just something they don't really have yeah you know? oh absolutely but i feel like in the shows that i do even the more comedy-based shows i always want to give audiences like just this like total experience mm -hmm. you know like mm -hmm. a mix of funny and things that are a bit more serious or topical or whatever it is just to give that fully rounded experience that interests yeah. me a lot more than just making people laugh even though that's incredible yeah and know? it's also like you're getting to show that your different layers yeah because mm -hmm. fun, funny is a big layer of your life for but sure you're way more than that Absolutely. so to get to share that with yeah. everyone that's great like yeah, I, I in my in my illustration work like it, similarly with comedy like there's this view that you have to have a style mm -hmm. you have to be sell yourself mm -hmm. with a particular style that's what editors are going to come to you for um but more and more people are realizing that no you can like I have a bunch of different styles and I always thought like shit I don't have my identity but that yeah. is my identity yeah. that I mm -hmm. that I you know one day it's like babies eating each other and another day it's a cute kitten like right it's, I really relate to that yeah. <laughs> and I like why should we have to pigeonhole ourselves yeah. And, yeah I don't know especially in any sort of creative form mm -hmm. it doesn't make sense to limit yourself yeah you know yeah. like I feel like art and creativity by nature are limitless absolutely so it doesn't yeah. make sense to to try to just do one thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think like even um, even if you're, you know, let's say you're an artistic person who's also interested in like sciences and stuff, right? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. Those are a little less like intrinsically linked. Like, you know, because obviously, yeah, if you want to like sing and dance and do comedy, it's really easy to combine those three right. things. Like mm -hmm. you're, you're lucky enough that you can kind of like, I mean, you still have to put in the work to right. make it good. But like 
they they work together. Yeah, I yeah. am lucky yeah. that all my interests are related. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but like if yeah, but like if you are a person who wants to do you know music and science, for instance, like we had a co-host on the show uh, until last summer who like makes music videos about science now and oh, like has so like cool. built a whole career out of that for himself. And wow. like and you can do that, right? Like Absolutely. you can combine your interests, yeah, even if yeah. it seems tricky. You you can find a way to do it. Exactly. You just yeah. have to be willing to fail a bunch first. Yeah, fail a bunch <laughs> first and just question and examine and for me too like for so long again like I had that energy I had that creative impulse but just didn't really know but then you you do just sort of figure it out sometimes through a a sort of conscious effort and then sometimes just through being inspired by the different Mm -hmm. things that you encounter and experience that sort of help those clicks happen Um, but I really there's there's no one way of doing anything Mm -hmm. in life and I think that's just one of many false things that we've con- been conditioned to believe that I think is so mm-hmm. limiting. And and it, it's sad that so many people fall into that trap of yeah. that mm-hmm. there's one way to do things. Because mm-hmm. um, there's still a lot of people who think that way. I think that yeah. also like in, in that question, you know, I think right now where we're at culturally, if there are people, you know, that are sort of like less day to day or less staying at jobs for 30 years, I don't think it's necessarily because people have different interests, at least not yet. I think it's also because like a lot of companies are just getting really cheap now and they just want to get freelancers and give them as little as possible Mm -hmm. and not have any responsibility towards their Mm -hmm. employee Mm -hmm. employees. And so, but I would like to think that we'll hopefully get to a point where the reason that, you know, people are not staying at, at jobs for 30 years is because we've developed a culture that's more, um, open to different ways of mm-hmm. doing things, which I think is where we're headed. Yeah. Yes. I think yeah. so. I think especially if you look at like people like now that are in high school and mm-hmm. in their late teens, like I, they don't want to sit down at one thing. No. I mean, no. like there's, yeah, I can't see that really continuing for that well, much longer. There's that point as well. I think that like our brains are being fried in a whole new way. Yeah. There's a negative <laughs> side to it. Yeah. Too. There's, a, there's a sort of like we can't focus. Yeah. And get bored really easily and want that sort of instant gratification, Mm -hmm. whatever it is, you know, like even sometimes just that instant gratification of trying something new, like Mm -hmm. trying something new is exciting Mm -hmm. and it's fun. And then when that wears off, you want that feeling again. So you kind of drop something and go do something else. But if it works for you, it works for you, you know? Yeah. 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 That was a little bit depressing when I was watching the video because she was like, I I had this new project idea and I dive in and I do it hardcore and then I I get bored and I and then I dive into something yeah. else I'm like I have that idea but I don't really dive yeah. in you know like, I'm just right, like oh wave. this would be so fucking cool <laughs> <laughs> and then like so nothing right. ever gets like fully formed right but maybe that's because there's something inside of you that knows that it's not really what you want to be doing Sometimes I think, that, you know, because like <laughs> Thank you I for think that. we all have like moments of inspiration and sort of flashes of ideas that seem really cool and really exciting. Yeah. And then you kind of never get around to it. I think sometimes it's because you can't commit to it because there's something that feels off about it or something mm-hmm. that doesn't feel like it does. It's not how you really want to be spending your time. Right. On yes. some level. Yeah. I think it's on an unconscious level. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, because I think there's so many layers of our minds that are affecting our decisions as well. Like I um, I uh, grew up with two brothers who loved comics. Then I joined a studio later in life with comic book artists. 
but I don't personally find myself drawn to doing comics. Yeah. But for the longest time, I was like, no, I'm supposed to be, I'm supposed <laughs> to be doing comics, yeah. and I draw. So that's like the not natural thing. And as the years have gone on, just realizing, wait, have I like been putting this supposed passion into my brain because of my environment or is it something that I really yeah. want? So I and think I think that's right, a really important question. Yeah. To mm. follow like, what's my heart really exactly. telling me? Always follow that. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like also the fact that uh, mostly are like parents, they had the same fucking jobs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Like my dad had the same job ever since I was born and I've seen the out outcome. He's not the happiest man yeah. on earth, you know? <laughs> so it's kind of like, let me let me try something else. And I feel like that's how our generation is operating right now. They, they're not really like into the idea of committing for something for so long just for the sake of commitment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Eat healthy. Exercise regularly. Take cold showers. Avoid sugar. Practice yoga. Drink more water. Meditate. Practice mindfulness. Wear barefoot shoes. Avoid fat. Eat more fat. Go vegan. Try paleo. Do CrossFit. Drink bone broth. Try black Do P90X. Try a 30 squats a day. Eat more day squats. Keto strong. Only good more protein. Wear Get more protein. Avoid the dirty dozen. Try a bark. Drink Staying healthy can feel overwhelming at times. Sometimes it feels like you have to change all your habits just to meet the baseline. But sometimes, all it takes is one little change. Ether Kombucha contains four powerful probiotic strains along with essential vitamins and antioxidants, all in a delicious, refreshing package which helps regulate digestion, support the immune system, and aid in the body's natural detox processes. Living healthier can be a treat with Ether Kombucha. Ether Kombucha. Do what works for you. For more information, follow us on Instagram at Ether Kombucha. Hi, I'm Tristan Damour. You might know me from the Scrum Podcast. Hi, I'm Harrison Mulo Jason. You might know me from, uh, anyway. So we're here to tell you about a new podcast miniseries called Hebemus Pod. It's a show about HBO's The Young Pope. Every episode, we'll feature a guest viewer to talk about an episode. Will they have a fresh perspective on the show? Two years after it aired? We sure hope so. It's very simple. We talk about three things. A highlight, a low light, and the very famous Cherry Coke Zero character of the episode. Yes, yes. Uh, and we hope you tune in right here on the Upfront Network. Hi, I'm Tefera Jemian, one of the hosts of Yeah, a podcast on the Upford Network. We're talking about young adult literature, reviewing new releases, revisiting old classics, and exploring what the YA genre can teach us at any age. Join me and my co-host, Hannah Bailey, as we talk about friendships, dating, family relationships, sexuality, experiences of queerness, body politics, and more through the lens of our favorite YA novels, as well as books we're just discovering. The Yeah Podcast, available through the Upford Network and on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever else you find your podcasts. This is our book club, and you're invited. Our second question comes from an Indiegogo don donor, Candice Pye, who asks, what piece of art has made the biggest impact on you, your life, uh, and why? Could be a film, TV show, song, photo, anything. It's my favorite thing to talk about. Yeah? Yeah. I, do, I figured you would have... <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Um, it really is. Um, even on Chosen Family, we have a, a segment called Obsessions at the end um, of each episode, which sort of gives us the chance to talk about the sort of art or just any random thing that is like really inspiring us and that we're really obsessed with. Because I feel mm -hmm. like 
I've just been obsessed with so many things my whole life, like performers especially, and just um, just the art of live performance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's really hard to just choose one. <laughs> um, I like I think the first piece of art that like really made an you know an enormous impression on me as a kid was Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill album. Oh and yeah, and I was just that was like my first album and. I feel like as a kid, it was the first time that I really had this idea of what living your life as an artist might look like. Mm-hmm. It, like, so Alanis was really that first impression for me. And how old were you when you? I was around eight or nine. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was really early. And I mean, like, I didn't really understand anything yeah. singing about, obviously. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I just felt it, mm-hmm. you know, and it's mm-hmm. still an album that, that I love and like looking back on it now, I just like, I can't believe she wrote that when she was like 20, <laughs> you oh, know? Yeah. 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 And, um, I love the idea of, I don't know, just being able to in whatever form in her form, it's music, but you know, I kind of do it in comedy and, and other ways, but just creating this piece of work that represents so much of who you are and what you've experienced and, mm. It's just this complete thing and it exists in the world. And that has always been starting from that experience of Jagged Little Pill has always been something that I've just wanted. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. And uh, she was always very, uh, she, she seemed to be presenting herself. Like it yeah. wasn't like now it's, it's so shiny and yeah, the, it makes me that that's what makes me stuff. sad about like the mainstream pop music landscape right now. Yeah. I really feel like the authenticity is gone yeah Hmm. i feel like even like if you look at things that were even a bit more manufactured in the 80s and 90s like sort of bubblegum pop of that time Mm -hmm. there was still a joy that was authentic about it yeah you know yeah and i feel like even that joy is kind of gone so so it's that being gone like it it leaves not much to connect with so you as an eight-year-old yeah you connected to her music to the videos and all that stuff so now it's just like "Ah, i don't know what i'm looking at yeah and i and to be honest i don't really look (laughs) that much yeah i don't know if that's just an age thing not that i'm that old but like i think there's a point i think it's probably around 25 where you sort of stop to to be fully 100% up to date with, like, <laughs> yeah, totally. all the new stuff especially music wise you yeah. know yeah. but even now like even with what I create now my inspirations are still things that I'm like looking back on like mm-hmm. like Barbra Streisand's old TV specials like mm-hmm. are so incredible and just this example of like a multi-talented person bringing all of their strengths together and creating mm-hmm. something that is entertaining but meaningful mm-hmm. and and deep and beautiful and so many different things and I feel like now th- there's not a lot of things being lots of different things yeah, mm-hmm. yeah you know yeah, it's yeah. like you do that like one glossy pop song and then that's it and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah I'm not really inspired by a whole lot that's <laughs> happening yeah, yeah. Pop, yeah f- musically speaking anyway I feel yeah. that like I think I think that's kind of what we aim to do with this show right it's like we we do emotionally honest comedy yeah. right? because it's like we, we're, we're comedy people right we all do improv we're all like funny but we're not here to be funny necessarily right exactly like we're here to just sort of open up and talk about like real shit yeah and yeah. like that kind of I think that for me the thing that made me realize that I liked that was actually glee 
which oh is yeah, like, amazing. B- bizarrely enough because like I hadn't really realized I wanted to do anything sort of in the entertainment world mm. until that series like in high school, I really thought, like, I don't know, maybe I'll study history or, like, I mean, I kind of thought I was going to end up being a pastor. For oh, a my long time. God. Um, and thank God that didn't happen. <laughs> um, but That's like, so interesting. Yeah. But, like, in, like, grade, I think I was in grade 10 or 11 when Glee, like, started. And um, it was weird because I wasn't super into musicals. I sang a lot just around the house. And mm-hmm. my mom would actually, Jagged Little Pill was an important album for me, too. <laughs> uh, play that one. Uh, and, like all sorts of like old pop music and rock music and stuff from like the eighties and nineties. And like, so that was such a thing that was just part of my soul. Mm -hmm. And when Glee debuted and one of the first big songs they did was don't stop believing. Mm. I was like, shit, I actually like love this song independent (laughs) of this. And now everyone is going to hate me for it. Um, But like that show kind of made me realize like, Oh, you can like, you can care about, two things at the same time right because yeah. that that was the sort of that was the protagonist's main deal was he was like oh i can't like football and music at the same time <laughs> and i was like spoilers you super can and, <laughs> and like i ended up auditioning for theater school because of that wow. and, like getting in and then dropping out because i still thought i wanted to be a pastor and that was a mistake and i should have stayed in theater school mm-hmm. but like you know it was it was that piece of art that show that like you know, took all this bubblegum pop and tried to infuse emotion and meaning into right. it by weaving wow. storylines through well, it. Well, I like that's sort of what I do musically. Cool. Like right now I mostly do covers, although I am writing some original stuff right now. But in covers especially, I love to tackle a song that has sort of always been deemed, you know, like really glossy or like kind of corny. Mm-hmm. Um and the really good ones there is an emotional layer that mm-hmm. even the originals don't fully access. Yep. Uh, but in sort of making it your own yeah. and rearranging stuff, you can find this amazing emotional truth in these sort of ridiculous or seemingly ridiculous <laughs> songs that actually do have a lot of power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just about unlocking it, which I like musically, that's my favorite thing. And I enjoy Glee too for that reason. Um, I love covers that, that, that really reveal a truth about the song mm-hmm. that wasn't there in the original. Yeah. 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 Oh. yeah covers who that don't do that upset me. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> then it's like, like why what the bother? Fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's um oh my goodness, there's a Robin song, uh, Dancing on My Own. Mm-hmm. That um, there's this Korean restaurant in our neighborhood. This is a very like roundabout story. Uh, there's a Korean restaurant in our neighborhood that always has like a soft acoustic pop playlist uh, going when we eat there, and we love it because it's a really good place. Um, but they uh, and they just I think it's like a Spotify playlist of like soft acoustic covers. Of right? Pop songs. Yeah, that is a genre. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a genre that I used to like contribute to actively. Like yeah. I, I I love that kind of stuff. Me too. But there's this one like. There's a there's a cover of that song of Robin's dancing on my own that's like sung by a dude and it totally takes the song it takes it away from me because I'm like no that's that's not supposed to be like a hetero love song right that's, yeah that's not what that is no Stop it. it's, yeah it's like <laughs> such a queer anthem I like sure. the guy's voice is great but like it just, yeah not yeah. the right song no exactly yeah I think you have to like it's um you have to find the right song yeah mm. what about for each of you for for me um. I thought about it because I, I have difficulties pinning things down usually. My mind's so fucking scattered. But I did remember this one 
artist when I was in first grade. Uh, they took us to a Chagall exhibition, mm-hmm. and um, I loved it so much. And as a kid, I was really obsessed with animals, so I would always like grab nature books and draw animals. Um, and this was my first experience seeing something just loose and creative. And he has a lot of animals in color, but just like kind of surreal, floaty mm-hmm. nonsense. Mm-hmm. And I remember the feeling of being back at school at those big square tables in art class mm-hmm. and having the brochure next to me and and copying yeah. and just being like, wow, there's there's more to to art in my brain than, mm-hmm. you know, drawing yeah. trees and houses. And, and, and it was just so, it was such a powerful moment like I, I i i see it now that it was a powerful moment back then i didn't yeah. Yeah. grasp that and recently there was an exhibition um at the uh, modern art museum i think it was or anyways mm-hmm. and and i went and I, I i strolled around and it was such an emotional experience to look at it and it was weird because from my hypercritical artist brain now i'm like eh. It's not that great, you know, but then I I managed to switch that shit off and just enjoy what I was looking at and what it made my kid self feel. Yeah. And just like, cause the, the, the one painting, which I Googled, it's called blue circus Mm -hmm. and it's a woman uh, upside down on a trapeze type thing. And there's a, a green horse head and there's a fish in the sky holding a bouquet of flowers and she has like a chicken on her leg. It's nonsense. <laughs> but I, uh, and I love absurd things. I, mm-hmm. I love drawing absurd yeah. things. So it's like connecting that dot to something that happened to me when I was very, very young mm. was uh, oh. cool. So thank you for that question. Yeah. 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 Did you, you didn't share yours yet. Yeah. Well, like, um, my mom was always a Shakira fan. Yeah. So she always bought the cassettes and stuff. So there was this album back in 2001, I think. It was called Laundry Service or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I remember that. that. Yeah, I was like six. And my mom didn't like it, but I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the moment that I realized that, like, we're not a unit. I can <laughs> I can like my own stuff. We're like not a music. unit. Yeah. Amazing. I, know, like, yeah. I, have, I have my own taste. And it's like a click mm-hmm. that kind of, like detached me from like this my my parents and yeah. like their opinion yeah. and it was just like oh i'm my own person now i, I love this album and i'm gonna yeah. listen to it forever <laughs> that's, that's always an interesting moment because when your kids yeah you just by default listen to what your parents yeah. are listening yeah. to yeah but there is eventually that moment where you have your first experience of what your own <laughs> taste is. And yeah. Yeah. yeah I had my, my brother's, uh, I, I one specific memory of my brother, Rob walking by my door screaming, your music is shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Oh, um, and it, it affected me for quite some time because it's like that judgment of like yeah. that this close family member. Oh my God. But like yeah. I would, I would be the only one in the house belting out Disney soundtracks yeah. and like popping that into my boom box. And it's like, yeah i I don't think judging people's music is is cool like sometimes like i like will bring like records that i'm sort of over to like go and sell Uh and i always feel so judged (laughs) you know like when i bring a pile of stuff like to the used record store they're like going through it and it feels like they're going through your diary yes because i feel like the music you listen to like becomes so much a part and a reflection of who you are yeah Mm -hmm. oh yeah um so yeah judging like having your music taste judged is scary oh yeah and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And not pleasant yeah. No, no no i had this like so so i had a roommate um previously who 
like had like very sort of like high art taste mm-hmm. in music mm-hmm. and like would like shit on pop music all right. the time. And like as a person who genuinely enjoys pop music, yeah. like it it started to be this thing that like just kind of subconsciously started to weigh on me because he was never saying like Tom, you have shitty taste in music, but he would he would just be like, yeah, I feel like just all pop music is like garbage right. and like it's all just the same crap like turned out over and over and like whether there's i mean there's an element of truth to that mm-hmm, right like mm-hmm. there is like a certain amount yeah. of pop music that is the same thing kind of turned out over and over but like you can still like that that's still okay to like exactly and, and at some point i realized that like i was reflecting that judgment back at him and being like oh fucking art movies and art yeah. music is stupid too and we had to have a conversation one day where we were like hey like we need to like actually respect each other and love each other <laughs> think that the other person's like taste is not good yeah Yeah. and like just acknowledging that and realizing that and being like hey sorry for like you know saying shitty things about the stuff you like like that's not cool that's pretty mature yeah it was it was a good thing for us to do you know because it just sort of like lifted like this this tension from us that had been like over us for a Mm -hmm. while at that point i can do that with like music like i don't really judge people's music taste but Mm -hmm. like other things like (laughs) like when someone tells me like they love the Kardashians. <laughs> Unironically, right. like a true devotional kind of love. I'm that that person is forever changed <laughs> in the way respect. that I see them. Yeah, you know? yeah. And like so for me there are certain things that I just can't respect. Well that's yeah, because there there's <laughs> But music I feel like there's not really anything that I would like hold against anyone. Because no, right. you don't mm. need to explain Explain why you like something, especially some art. You you experience it with your whole body. Yeah. You know, you, you don't need to be like, oh, these are the top ten reasons why I enjoy this yeah, song. Exactly. You can just like a fucking song or mm-hmm. a character or mm-hmm. you know anything. So without the whole backstory, like I always felt so guilty within this comic book realm that I grew up in that I I know comics mostly from cartoons mm-hmm. and the the judgment <laughs> from that right. and like not knowing the you know I don't know how many series run backstory of the character it's like I saw one image of him I like him a lot he's my favorite don't fuck with me you know like I don't have to know everything about something or it is it's not an immediate reflection of who I am but some decisions are yeah (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, I find that it it's really hard because like there's a lot of stuff that I just don't get why people like it Mm -hmm. but like I, I'm always challenging myself to like not shit on it. Yeah, yeah. me too. I'm trying. Yeah. Like I think it's internally, hard. I think it's okay to internally shit on something. Mm-hmm. I think right. you just you just shouldn't like you shouldn't yuck someone's yum. You know, like you right. shouldn't tell them like that you think it's shitty. But I think it's also like you can critique something, mm-hmm. and that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you're judging someone for liking mm-hmm. it. You right. know? Yeah. Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I I at the end of the day know that my opinion on anything doesn't matter. Yeah. You know. But I'm still gonna share it. Oh yeah, because um, it's fun. Yeah. But I but I don't expect like anyone to take that as a judgment because it's definitely mm-hmm. not how it's meant. Mm-hmm. Only when it comes right. to the Kardashians. Right. And, like, Sometimes it's like bagged. Oh fuck yeah. Sorry. Sometimes it's like bagged from like a an experience or like mm. a context. Like you hear you hear the song, you're like meh, and then you listen to it, you hear it in a movie, and you're like, oh. And like you kind of related to the situation, yeah. and like it moves you, and now you mm. like the song. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that can shift a bunch. Yeah. And some like uh, fucking Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it right off the bat, but then when I popped that tape in a, like a hundred more times, I was yeah, like, I yeah. need this in my life know, more than it's anything. So good. You know? It's so good. Yeah. It's like I I love Bare Naked Ladies now, and like <laughs> and that song or that band. Um, initially, I just didn't really have any strong right. feelings about them. You know, every kid 
in Canada is like, oh, I love if I had a million dollars. It's so silly. But like, you don't really have a strong opinion about them. But then like three or four movies from like 99 to 2002 had the song One Week in the soundtrack. <laughs> and they were all movies so I really true. liked. Yeah. yeah. And and the big one for me was the Digimon movie, which oh, like. Oh, God, I can't believe that movie had that song. They, it did. They had very, <laughs> it had that song. It had the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Uh, oh, wow. It had like a couple other. I think it had. Um, like Fatboy Slim in there as well. It okay. was a great soundtrack. Wow. Uh, and and because of that, because that movie like like is such a nostalgic thing for me, I ended up like in high school at some point just starting to genuinely love the Bare Naked Ladies. Right. And now like I still go back and listen to their albums because their harmonies are so tight. But like it, it was, it's weird. Like yeah, yeah, sometimes a soundtrack can completely change your feeling mm-hmm. about a, mm-hmm. a song or an artist. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Like I used to like. I don't know if I pretended, but I would say that I hated Jennifer Lopez, but I like secretly like oh, I never changed the, the channel loves. when the video came yeah, out, yeah. you know, like, and then I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I might even be that way sometimes, like with people that I have a crush on. It's like I'll pretend to hate them yeah. when inside I like really like them, you know, it's kind of like I feel like that's been my relationship with a lot of music also mm. like J-Lo. Yeah, the, that's but that's so weird with music of feeling like Paul doesn't put the windows. My husband doesn't put the windows down if he's listening to pop music in the car. Right. You know, like you can't. They can't know. That's this, so, yeah. You know, and it's, well because oh we've goodness. all experienced those moments of judgment. Yes. You know? yeah. yeah. That brings us to the end of our show for the week. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, trying to thanks so much for joining thank us. You. This was thank super you. Thank you so fun. much thanks. for having me. This was a blast. Yeah, yeah true pleasure. Fun. Do you have anything that you want to plug uh, while we're here? Um, well, I'm just constantly performing. Mm-hmm. So um, if you're in Montreal um, or even in other cities, I'm starting to get to other cities. But my website is tranawinter.com and um, all my dates for shows are on there. And yeah, it's up to date and just come and yeah, see Yeah, it's a great, me. great. I was mm-hmm. checking it out today. Oh, great, great thanks. videos. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah and there's like photos. a little gallery. Yes. For, yeah. You know, for whatever reason. Artsy photo shoots. <laughs> um, I feel like that's underrated. You need. People need more artsy photo shoots of themselves on oh. their websites. Well, like I've been collaborating with this amazing um, artist named Jess Cohen, mm. who is a makeup artist and a photographer. And we're just like creating oh. images together. Awesome. And it's like so much fun. So you can see that mm. on the website too. Sweet. Cool. We'll put a link to that in the description of the episode. And uh, yeah, cool. Uh, remember, you can rate and review the show on Stitcher and Apple Podcasts if you haven't already. It's uh, super helpful for us for getting exposure. Uh, we have a new episode of our Jeopardy bonus series featuring Stefan Speck, Anthony Asaf, and David Hall. And we will not release that until we reach 40 Stitcher reviews or 500 likes on our Facebook page. I think we're like 10 away from each of those. So like, you know, Get on it. super close. Um, share this episode with a friend who... Oh boy, what do we got? Judged your music once? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe share it as a way of saying that you forgive them for judging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Or, or share it with someone whose music you have judged. Yeah. yeah. As a way to apologize. That's a good one. Yeah. Or share it with someone who doesn't know what to do with their lives. Yeah. yeah. And is freaked out because they don't have the answer. Maybe they'll know you don't need to have the answer. Just mm-hmm. let it go. Yeah. Or share it with someone who... Uh, is doing too many things all at once and needs to <laughs> fucking cool down for a second. <laughs> uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Down With Talking and each of us individually. I'm at Tom Zalatni. I'm at Eli Boussalet. I'm at Red Random. At Trana Winter. Sweet. And uh, yeah, do we have anything else to plug while we're here? No. Mm, Got no. it. I love French. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> cool. Um, special thanks to Crackers and Jam for letting us use the title track off their EP Benson as our theme music. You can find all their music for sale at crackersandjam.bandcamp.com. This show is produced and edited by me, Tonza Latnai, for the Upford Network. You can find out about all their great shows at upfordnetwork.com and click that first link in the description of this episode to go to our Indiegogo page and help us build a studio so that my baby will not have to be a fifth host on the show. <laughs> cool. Thanks again. Yay! Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. 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 Bye.